Welcome to episode number four of Just Go Grind, a show that focuses on helping you find a career you love, start a business, and generally crush it at life. I'm Justin Gordon, your host and an MBA student in the class of 2020 at the USC Marshall School of Business. I've had my hand in entrepreneurship and business since 2012 when I launched Just Go Fitness, and now with Just Go Grind, which launched in 2018. In this episode, I talk with TJ Gutormsen, who is a communication and behavior expert from Norway with a master's degree in pedagogy, which is like the science of learning, a bachelor's degree in social sciences and psychology. He has been speaking and doing live events and coaching for around a decade. And he's worked with CEOs, award-winning artists, professional athletes, students, unemployed, entrepreneurs, basically everyone. He's now living in Las Vegas. And in this episode, we talk about how he became a coach, his work with corporations and sales teams, how you can apply anything you know, essentially all your skills to more than one thing, so more than the traditional path. We also talk about how he got 300,000 unique visitors to his blog in 16 weeks, which is actually really crazy. How a radio segment he did got more than a quarter of a million listeners. Being in the national newspaper in Norway five times in 2017 when he didn't live in the country. We also talk about two problems that come up in salary negotiation how he gets clients without doing any traditional marketing, the challenges of getting more clients when he moves to a new country, which is the United States, as I mentioned, living in Las Vegas. We go over so many so many things. It's a great episode. I loved talking with TJ, and I think you're really going to enjoy it. All the show, epi- the show, the show episodes, all the notes, the show notes from this episode will be at justgogrind.com slash podcast. You can support the show over at patreon.com slash just go grind. And I would love it, love, love, love it if you could leave a rating and review over in iTunes. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Let's get into the show. Welcome to the show, TJ. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. I know we talked uh, for a couple hours actually at Starbucks when we met up, and that was like, I didn't know how much time we would have, and then we ended up just keep on, kept on talking and talking and talking, and right. like you just knew a lot. So I had to, you know, pick your brain and go more into this. But I want to start today in this episode, just kind of getting into your background. I know you're a coach, and you've done a, for a lot of years. You've done mm-hmm. live training, you've done you know, different calls and everything. But what exactly is your background? Where did you get your start in all of this? Right. So well, I'm originally from Norway, which is right. where I've done my work for the last decade or so. I've um, I kind of stumbled into it. I was one of those guys who, who wanted to change my own life because I was not happy with what I was doing or how I was. And in the beginning, it was all about communication. It was about people. I was nervous around other people. I, I didn't like crowds. I was terrified of women and that whole thing. And I decided that it was time to change that. So together with a friend of mine, I started exploring that. And I, I was just a student. I was consuming everything. I could get my hands on books and seminars. And I was talking to any, everyone and anyone who seemed to know what they were talking about. And I became obsessed, and uh, you know it's a long story how that developed. But but in short, I spent a lot of my time doing it and practicing it and studying it, and it became and I wrote about it at the same time. So I was yeah. blogging, and I was on discussion forums online, self development, even like seduction pickup forums, yep. and, and work forums, and how to get a job you want. Even though I was a student, I wasn't even looking for a job. Like anything I could find, <laughs> I was discussing this stuff. I was on there. I was writing. I had my own blog with my friend that I was writing at. 
And it got to the point where other people started seeking us out when they had questions because they'd been reading the stuff that we wrote and they liked it. And, you know, a couple of years in, having been more obsessed with this than anything else in my life, <laughs> we knew a lot of stuff. We had a lot of ideas. Yeah. And um, so I started with that and just, just answering people, answering questions and, and all that. And then I started getting coaching from this guy called Johnny Soporno, who became my first official coach. And okay. uh, we got along really great. And I had some ideas on his stuff that he enjoyed and blah, blah, blah. And summer of 2008, which was about two years into my you know, my own involvement right. in this. I, uh, he invited me to come to Berlin where he was teaching a workshop with a bunch of other people who, and I'd been studying these guys. Like, these guys were the good. They were the crew, yeah. Like, to me, they were the guys that I looked <laughs> up to. There was NLP guys. There were, like, uh, uh, hypnosis guys. There were self-development community, you know, communication guys. There were, there were uh, flirt and relationship. Like, all of these guys were six of them. And they were all teaching the same workshop, and Johnny was one of them. And he's like, Come on down. You know, I lived in Norway to him. You know, Norway and Berlin was probably a drive away. It was a bit yeah. of a flight. But I came down and I, as his guest and I ended up hanging out with him and all these speakers that I'd been studying for two years. It was, it was weird and mind-blowing. It was weird to and, meet right. him in person, though. Right. It was, it was crazy. <laughs> but I was hanging out with them and I got along well with all of them. They liked my ideas and we got to talking. And then after that, Johnny and I ended up traveling together for about a month. And I helped them set up uh, workshops and, and seminars in Norway because I already had the audience. I already had the blog. I already had the people on the forums asking me for advice. And then I brought in this guy that a lot of them already knew. And I said, hey, we're doing the same. And he had me help out and he had me do some coaching and he helped you know, me develop my own coaching skills. And uh, after that month, I was hooked. And I was going, you know, this, this is what I want to do. So I started studying more you know, coaching techniques and all that stuff. And, and for the next few months, I did that. I also traveled to Amsterdam to work with a guy named Adam Lyons, who was a pickup coach. And it wasn't really what I wanted to do, but hey, I wanted all the experience, experience I, wanted, I could right. get. And I worked with him, helped out in one of his boot camps in Amsterdam. And uh, I was a student at the time. I was, I was doing my master's degree. I was finishing that. And by the end of 2008, I realized that, okay, I, had, I was doing my master's degree. I had a part-time job and I was doing all this stuff. I don't have time for it. So I quit my part-time job, I continued doing my thesis, and then I launched my company together with my buddy, and we started uh, selling workshops and, and like weekend intensives to Jeez. people. What, what was the timeline from like when you started doing the workshops from way back when you just started kind of writing? So I started learning about these things myself, uh, I guess the summer of 2016, 2006. Okay. And uh, 2007, I got, a, got Johnny as my coach. He yep. coached me for about a year. Okay. And summer of 2008, I went to, Amster to Berlin with them. Okay. Fall of 2008, I went to Amsterdam. And January 2009, I started my own company. So I'd already only really been in it for about two and a half years, which okay. isn't a long time. Yeah. But at the same time, I had a lot of relevant um, education, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I had a bachelor's degree in social sciences and psychology. I had a, a teacher's degree in psychology. So I already had like the formal education yeah. to teach. So this you know stuff. this stuff. Someone from the outside would be like, yeah, yeah, TJ knows right. what he's talking so about. So even if I, should, okay. like when I was, I was, you know, mid-20s and I was showing up to, to corporations or businesses who wanted me to come in because they'd heard about me or read something and in comes this, you know, 27-year-old guy and they're like, <laughs> who are you and why do you know this? Right. It's good to say, well, I have, I have a teaching degree in psychology and I'm finishing my master's in what we call pedagogy, which is the science of learning. Okay. And I was writing, my, my whole thesis was about how to teach social skills. And I did uh, an experiment with kids from high school that I taught social skills for two weeks and we tracked the results and changes in their life and all kinds of stuff. It was really exciting. So I had that formal <sighs> education, 
But in all honesty, the I don't lean on that much. I only yeah. lean on that for corporate work because they care. Yeah. My my private clients, even from the beginning, all they cared about was did I know what I was talking about? Could I show them that what I was talking about was working? And right. I didn't teach anything I wasn't using. So when we were doing communication workshops and we were you know teaching people how to connect with strangers or how yeah. to connect better with friends or how to meet women or men depending on their preferences right. or start relationships. We would go out and I would walk up to people on the street and I would make friends with them and take them to coffee and show them that this stuff is easy and it works. And that was enough. And so same thing when I started working with corporations, if I was hired to help a sales team, I would go on the floor and I would sell some products, even though I'm not a salesman. And to be perfectly honest, I hate selling. I know how to do it. So I could go demonstrate that it works. So, so I'm, I'm a firm believer in the, you know, practice what you preach type philosophy. Yeah. And that's always what I've done. Makes sense. So, so that's kind of where my my uh, so got started. Yeah, yeah. I'm wondering too, like hearing hearing that, what made you start writing about it? Start doing because a lot of people would be in the same position right. and not start writing and like write articles and go so in depth. Right. What made you start writing about it? Start going so in depth with it? Well, uh, so my friend Klaus, who I started this whole thing, we started practicing these yeah. things together. We started did the first workshop together. Uh, he always said, you know, we're students, and as students, we're taught that if you don't write it down, you're not going to remember it. And so that's that was kind of our philosophy. We sat down, we wrote down everything we did. Whenever we went out and tried something or we were working on a skill, we would write about it on this blog. Okay. And also, I've always loved to write. Like, my when I was seven or eight or whatever in, like, elementary school, and there were, like, me and the teachers and my parents talking, and they asked what I wanted to do, my answer was, I want to be a teacher, and I want to be an author. And... That's what I am now. I'm I'm not a teacher in school like I was imagining back then. Right. But I am a teacher and I'm an, I am an author. So. And that's something that's interesting because there's so many ways to teach or so many ways to coach. I know for me, when I was going into college, for instance, I thought I wanted to be a like Division One football coach. Right. And then that changed to maybe I'll be a strength coach. Then I have doing personal training. Mm. And now I still do some online coaching and transitioning into more like business coaching, that type of thing. But there's so many avenues if you have that skill that you, you may be able to use it in some capacity. You know? Yeah, and, and that's kind of the thing that I'm a big proponent of is having people think about, you know, not what your education is or not what, what are the skills that you've learned, but how can you apply what you know to more than one thing? Like yeah. think outside the box. You know, you, you're getting an MBA. That's great. Yep. Now, is there anything except for business where this could be useful for you? Sure. How can you leverage that knowledge into something completely different or something related, but, you know. So, not what you think. Yeah, not what you would think. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, so you have all kinds of stuff like that. You know, I have a buddy who's a, a mathematician, and he's got a master's in, in something, something advanced math that I don't even know what it's <laughs> called. Uh, but he doesn't actually work with math. He works with people, but he, does, he, well, he works in organizational things, and what he does is just use the same skills. So to yeah. him, when he sits down with a chart of employees and a company, those are just numbers and, and formulas to him. Yeah. And to make them work the best, he, he applies knowledge that he got from, from school. Right. Makes so, sense. so, yeah, I, I'm a big proponent of people. You know, think about what you know. What, what can you do right now? And not, you know, what other than the thing that you were pointed towards when you were learning it? What other places can you apply those skills? The same skills you have. Yeah, you'll, you'll you know, a lot of people will, will discover a lot of interesting things that they never thought about that could be a lot of fun to do. It seems like, yeah, thinking outside the box of what your career path may, may be based on what skills you have, based on your passions and all those different things. Yeah, well. exactly. You also mentioned, you know, you published some books, you published mm -hmm. a few different books. 
what was the process like for that? You said some are self-published, I believe. Yeah, so I, I've published two books through publishers and three books uh, on my own as just ebooks. Okay. And so, I mean, publishing a book on your own is easy enough. You got to write it. You got to do, you know, the tech stuff wherever you want to publish it and then just publish it. It's, it's just work. Uh, right. You don't need to, you know, have anyone stamp of approval, really. You right. just need to make sure they're good. Even so, of course, it's it's a good idea to make sure they're good. It's a good yeah, idea. Yeah, write a good book. <laughs> right? Noted. <laughs> it's a good idea to have someone edit your book for you and give you sure. the feedback and all that. But but the self-publishing process is basically just work. You sit down, you do the work, you have someone help you when you need the help, and, and then you publish it, and then there's marketing. Yeah. Uh, publishing a book with a publisher is a different beast altogether. So my first book was in 2012, and uh, I had no publisher. I just I wrote the book, and I wrote it over uh, several months, and I... I chose so I had this model that I was teaching and coaching and I wanted to share that model because I thought it was very simple and elegant at the time I've become even simpler and more elegant <laughs> since then so I'm not really teaching that model anymore but back then it, it was what I taught and it worked well and so I wrote a book about it spent about six months writing it and then another few months polishing and working it over and sending it to people and giving me feedback and all that and then I sent it out to I think about 10 different publishers in Norway uh, one of them reached out, reached back to me, and it was uh, happened to be the biggest publisher in Norway, and I was very happy with that because that means they should have money for marketing and all that stuff. Yeah, that's helpful. Yeah, and so they reached out and wanted a meeting with me, and I showed up for that meeting, and it was about a 15-minute meeting, and they're like, "Yeah, we're going to publish your book," which was awesome. That's and, great. Yeah, and I, I was so excited. I mean, this Jeez. was this has been my dream since I was a kid. I wanted to be an author, and, and now it's going to happen. So from then on, it, it was it was you know a slight pulling teeth type of ordeal. I'm very happy about it. I don't mean to to you know seem uh, <laughs> unappreciative, but it was it was you know you get the book back and they have all kinds of changes they want to do, but it's your book and it's your content. You don't want to make this these changes like right. just grammar changes fine, but they come in and they say things like this is too complicated. Make this easier. Like, well, if I make it easier, it's going to be dumber, and if it's dumber, it's not going to help as much. So there's a lot of back and forth with that over a few months before the book was actually published. But it was a great experience. The book was published. It was, it was amazing. I got you know media coverage and all that stuff. And uh, I did a couple of books, launches and signing, which is awkward as hell. To yeah, how would that be? Yeah, oh, I uh, hate it. It seems I awkward hate it. from it's, the outside. Uh, my philosophy <laughs> is if, you, if you're not a celebrity so that people will show up just to see you, yeah. don't do book signings because you're just kind of sitting there hoping that someone will show up wanting like, your book. Who are and, you? So, I mean, I, I went the way of just recruiting a bunch of friends and people that were already students of mine and going, so I'm doing this, show up, I'll Please. give you the book. <laughs> I just need people to be there. Right. Uh, so, but I mean, I it, it, be was, alone here. Yeah. it was fine, but, uh, but it, was, it was an interesting process. And the second book was a completely different thing again, because the second book I was approached by a publisher who wanted me to write a book for them. Okay. And so they knew what they wanted and they knew what the topic they wanted was. And they had like one of their employees or friends, someone had done work with me before. And so they recommended me. And so they did a couple of meetings. We talked about it. I told them what I would write this, like how I would write the book and what it would be. And they, they, they approved that. They wanted it. So that was a much easier thing. I wrote it and I knew it was going to be published as I was writing it. Yeah. So it was less, it was more stressful because I knew someone was waiting for a result and I knew if it wasn't good, you know, but it was less stressful because I knew I wasn't quote unquote wasting my time. I knew right. it was going to go somewhere. Yeah. How did you, the idea of spending six, seven, whatever months you spent to write the book first right. without a publisher in mind, like, what were you thinking? You're just like, I, this is important enough for me to do. I'm just going to write it. Yeah. So my, my, you know, I get a lot of people asking like what my advice on writing books, like they want to do a book. And I'm, my answer is always, you know, if you want to write a book, that's great, but write the book because you want it. You have to be willing to write this book and only have your friends read it. 
Right. Because you want to write the book, not because yeah. anything else. Because if you're writing it because you want to be famous or make a lot of money or whatever, you're probably going to be disappointed. Because, like, I didn't even make any significant money off my books. I made money off the what I call the indirect indirect income of people reading my book and then coming to get coaching and, and workshops with me. Right. So it's it a good investment that, of time in that way. But the book itself is, you know, unless you really hit home and get a bestseller, yeah. the book itself is not going to make you a lot of money. So you got to be prepared to write it and not really have it go anywhere unless the places that you put it. And you also got to be prepared that even if you have a public, like I had Norway's biggest publisher, I still did 90% of my own marketing for it. Yeah. Like even your publishers are not going to start putting money and time into marketing it unless it's already a bestseller and they go, oh, this is already selling well. Let's keep going It's with easy it. now to make it you know, sell even more. Yeah, no, that, make, that makes sense. So you had a book in Norway. So is it still available? In Norway, so or the, the, the 2012 book is so all both of these are actually in Norwegian. Four of my five books are they in are Norwegian. Norwegian. Okay, um, gotcha. But the the first one is still available as an ebook, not as a physical book. The second one is still available as a gotcha. physical book. Nice. And mm-hmm. you said you have media for that, so is it the whole like you know book tour type of thing or book signings or whatever? Right. But then media for that. So how do you go about? Or how did you go about getting media coverage for that? And even later on, like media coverage for your business. And other right. Things. So so I've been getting a lot of media coverage throughout my whole kind of career. For the books, it was a combination of the publishers sending out press releases to all the media outlets saying, okay. "Hey, this guy is doing this," and blah blah blah. But I'd already been in the media a lot before that, so a lot of the media people knew me. And so that's why I kind of got coverage is, oh, okay, we've heard of this guy. We've used him as one of our experts. We can do a quick story or even just like a little blurb and, you know, right. pages depending on what it was. So I had some papers doing like a full page picture and, and stuff. And then others, it was just like a small column at the end of the thing. Hey, you know, this thing is out. Uh, here's our review of it. Stuff like that. But uh, I got into the media early on and it was, it was definitely a blessing for my business because um, – so I started out, as I said, I launched my company in like January 2009. Yep. And uh, I was looking for ways to get the word out because I was, I was known on the forums and, and stuff, but that wasn't that many people. It was a yeah. couple of thousand people more maybe niche. in Norway, but yeah. yeah, but not that many. And I wanted to reach more people. And so I was constantly looking for that. And I saw an ad for one of our uh, biggest newspapers in Norway saying that they wanted, they were hiring freelancers as interns for the summer. When their journalists go on vacation, we need someone else to come cover the news. <laughs> someone basically. still has to do it. Right. right. And so I went, all right, cool. So I can write about because this newspaper had like a, a, a relationship and sex uh, uh, call it, like column yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or part of the newspaper. And uh, or their online newspaper. So I, I can write for that. that. That'd be good. And so I, I emailed them and I said, right, I have these educations, blah, blah, blah. And I have these, this expertise. I can write about relationships and stuff. And they got back to me like, well, here's what we're going to do. We're not going to pay you to be our, our journalist, but we want to do a project this summer. And it's like a bunch of knowledge that we want to spread. We want you to do uh, dating and re- relationships. And it's going to be published on an online newspaper on the front page once a week. Every Friday, we want like a whole new article from you. And we did that for 16 weeks. For 16 weeks, I was writing an article for them, and it became uh, like a weekly installment, same place on the online newspaper every time. And Norway is a small country. We've got about 5 million people in all. Uh, And my posts were getting 20, 30, 40,000 hits a day when they were up, which is insane for a Norwegian. At the end of of the 16 weeks, I had 300,000 unique visitors to my blog. And and the the cool thing was they weren't even posting it as an article on their website. They were posting it. I was posting it on my blog, and they were linking to it from their front page. That's that's perfect. So I was getting all the traffic. (laughs) That's perfect. That was great. And so at the same time, I reached out to a friend of mine. Well, 
the boyfriend of a friend of mine who was a radio presenter on the biggest radio show in, or radio channel in Norway. Okay. And he was doing a summer thing. And he's like, I, I need some content. Like, I, he just wants to play music, but he needed some content. I'm yeah. like, I'm your guy. And so I talked him into letting me do Perfect. like a three-minute segment on his show every day for, I think it was five days a week for five weeks or six weeks. And I was on, and we just record. I went in the studio, and one day we knocked out all of them. We recorded like three minute pieces, and he would play those. So yeah. I was getting exposure on the radio every day, and that was a quarter million of listeners for his show every day. And then the 300,000 unique hits for my <laughs> blog at the same time. Uh, and so it was, it was an amazing kind of start. And by then, by then, I'd had about six months of experience doing my own workshops, and six months before that, working with these other people. Right. So, so I was. You know, I, I was definitely not where I'm at now, skill-wise and workshop-wise, but I was I was experienced enough, I was confident enough that I could do this stuff. Yeah. And so from there on out, it was kind of like I became the go-to guy for relationship stuff. I mean, I've done a lot of dating and relationship stuff, but it's not all I've done, but yeah. that's what media has pegged me as. Which so that's is, what started as, least. Yeah, and, and that's fine. I mean, I still get it. Like, I've been in the newspaper in 2017. I didn't even live in Norway. I was in national newspapers five times because they're inviting in, uh, interviewing me about, like, relationship stuff. I don't do that much relationship stuff. I love it, but it's not my favorite thing to do. But it's still free PR. People go check out my stuff. They see my page. And they're like, oh, he's got other things as well. So it's not your favorite thing to do. What is your favorite type of coaching? What's your favorite thing? I love helping people get out of their own way. Okay. That's kind of my, my one-sentence sum up of what I do. Okay. And that applies definitely to dating and relationship too. I mean, that's what most people do. They get in their own way. They get in their own head. And they screw up their relationship. Or they're too afraid to go on dates or whatever it is. But... I, I like that part of it. So when I have someone coming to me saying, you know, I want to do this thing, I want to achieve this thing, but I'm not able to do it. And I ask them a few questions. I'm just looking for, all right, is this someone that's holding themselves back or is what they're doing just, you know, if they want to be an astronaut and they're 50 years old with heart problems. Sure. It's like, no, it's, it's not that's happen. not you standing in your way. That's just not going to happen. That's not going to happen. Right. So once I find out that this is actually them standing in their own way, holding themselves back, I'm like, okay, this is what I want to work with. And a lot of the time it is, it's just about people having the confidence to do what they know they should be doing. So lately, over the last few years, there's been more and more professional stuff I work with. So people come to me, they want to start their own business or they want promotions or they want to negotiate new salaries or whatever it is that they want, but they, they're not doing it. And it's usually the main reason is because they're in their, their own head. They're, they're suffering from a lot of misunderstandings that are holding them back. And then sometimes there are some skills involved. Like when someone wants to you know, negotiate a salary increase, but they've never gone to negotiations before, they didn't know how to do it, yeah. then I can teach some skills too because that is one of the areas, like communication is one of the areas that I know. And I know that's one of the main focuses I think I've heard of either in your, uh, one of your bios or something mm. along the lines. I, I read that, but even to that point, <clears throat> what would be your suggestion? I'm just curious from mm. a, like a negotiation, salary negotiation standpoint, like what would be your suggestion for people? Right, so the... I'll give you the two things that tend to come up for most people. Some okay. people are good at this, but there, there are usually two things that are the problem. And the reason people keep losing negotiations or, or are afraid to go into them, the first is that they look at it as a war, look at it as a battle between them and the other part. And the problem with approaching it that way is if you approach it that way, it will become that. So if you walk into your boss's office and you want to raise and you're going, all right, it's me against him. Now you guys are fighting and he has more power than you. Right. So you're probably going to lose unless he's a really nice guy or unless you have a really good like laid out case that he can't. <laughs> right. you know. But even if you have all the facts on your side and you're acting like a, excuse the language, dick, yeah. then he can just shut you down. He doesn't have to listen to you. So, so avoiding the battle is the first step for most people. So I always say, you know, create a we. 
It should always be about us, not about me and you. So you walk into negotiation with your boss for a pay increase, to keep using that example. Sure. It's, uh, so I've been noticing that this is going on. I would like for us to come up, I would like to discuss with you some ways we can increase my, my happiness of working here, my productivity and stuff. And one of my points would be salary. Here are some of the other ones. And you make it a we. Let us, let's talk yeah. about this. Here's what I'm thinking would be a good idea. What are you thinking? A lot of people feel like that comes off, you know, being weak or being careful. But if you're doing it because you know, like if, you, if your demands, if you will, are strong, you can word them in a much gentler way and coax the other person into the communication. Once they're in the communication and they're going, all right, we're figuring this out. He's not trying to pressure me to give him more money. Right. They're usually much more willing to do it. Uh, and so that's a short version, of course. I could talk about that for an hour. Yeah. Uh, the other part of it is that people don't lead. So they wait for the other one to lead, especially if the other one is the authority. Yeah. So whether it's a job interview you're going to or the same you know, negotiation, people come in and they kind of wait. So they wait for the questions. They wait for the feedback. If it's an interview uh, negotiation where they're making their case, they kind of make their case and they tend to stop and wait for the reaction. Now, leading doesn't mean that you have to speak first all the time, but it means that you should also be prompting the other one to speak. So if I'm you know, telling you I, I really – deserve a $50,000 pay raise this year and I make my case for why, when I'm done making my case, I don't go quiet, but I lead and I make him follow my lead by going, so So, what are your thoughts on that? Let's let's put the money aside right now. What are your thoughts on what my arguments, you know, right. my effort, my whatever? And then you make him buy into or go into the things you want him to go into, so you lead him through it. Because if you go, here's reason A, B, C, D for my pay raise and I want $20,000 more. The only thing he's going to reply to is the $20,000 unless you make him reply to A, B, C, D by right. leading it. Bringing up each thing. Yeah. And if you get him to agree with A, B, C, D before he even gets to mention the money, now the, the, the likelihood of him going along with the money is much higher because he's just been telling you why you know, you've been doing a good job and that your arguments are correct. So it makes no sense for him to confirm all your arguments and then say no to them. Right. So, so you want to you want to create a we like it's a you know we're cooperating on this thing we're working on it together and you want to take the lead even when you're leading from behind as I call it when you're telling them where you want them to go through questions. Oh, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Are you so when people are coming to you? I know you mentioned like you tend to, like you either meet people or like a friend of a friend or something. You you have coffee maybe with them or something mm-hmm. and then you end up coaching them after that. But what are the different types of issues people bring up or come to you first? with in terms of coaching you know what i mean right so so that depends there are two types of people really okay. and it's the ones that already know me because they've been following my work they've okay. been reading my articles or my books and my videos or and stuff like that they'll usually come to me with you know whatever topic they've been following and they'll go you know i'm having this problem with in my relationship or i'm i you know i'm miserable in my job but i don't know how to move on okay and so they'll come to me and they'll email me and their problem or their thing is going to be right <laughs> there and that makes it easy for me because it's it's uh you know easy prompt to start the the conversation. I can ask them questions. I can give them some info. And then I usually from there go on to invite them to have a conversation. I I refuse to work with someone I haven't had a conversation with Uh, because signing clients blind, it's, you end up with a lot of people that you don't want to work with that yeah. way. You'd rather just have, so, have a little meeting, a little time invested up front, and then know if it's going to work the time. So, so when people reach out to me, I'm happy to help them. I'll answer the emails or messages or whatever. And then when I see the conversation is going and they still seem interested in what I have to say, I'll say, all right, why don't we set up a call? I'm not going to charge you for it. 
you know, we'll set aside an hour or so and just do a Skype call. Yeah. And I'll do that with them and I'll talk to them. If I, by the end of that call, feel like both they're coachable by me, like my style works for them, they're someone that I feel is going to get you know, enough value out of it, they're going to get the results they want, and someone that I want to talk to every right. week, exactly. uh, then I offer them coaching. And I go, all right, so here's what I do. I have this many spots available. This is my you know, pricing, or this is what I would suggest that you and I do. If you're interested, we'll do that. If not, you know, I've got, you've got the free resources that I already gave you. Go, yeah, go yeah. read, go do that. So that's the, that's the quick and easy one because those people are already looking at me as a coach. They're already coming yeah. to me for they that. They already know. They're like pre-selected. Yeah. Pretty much. And then you have the other group of people, which are people that I kind of just run into, uh, whether friends or friends or whatever. We have conversations. And I'm curious, guys. I, I ask questions about people, especially when I, when I meet them. Right. And a lot of times, I'll, you know, maybe I'll ask them what they do, and they'll start talking about something that catches my interest. And I'll get curious about it. And at some point, they always bring up, you know, this is a challenge or something. this is what this is my next step or whatever. And whenever that is something that I feel I'd, I might be able to help with, I go, well, actually, I have some experience with that. I've done a lot of work with that. Would you like some feedback? And if they do, then I'll answer a couple questions there. And if we get into like if we're having a good conversation and they're interested in talking to me about it, then I'll suggest, you know what? You know, we might be at a dinner or whatever. We're in a social setting. Let's not go too deep into it right now. But I would love to, you know, grab a coffee with you. I'll give you as much as I can for that, you know, coffee, and we'll we'll right. see where it goes. And then we'll go out for that coffee and we'll talk. And again, if by the end of it I feel like we're a good match and I can help this person, then I'll offer them coaching and I'll I'll give them my prices and all that stuff. Okay. And you mentioned so it it's basically just kind of referrals for the one-on-one -on -one stuff. Mm -hmm. But if you're working more executives and you say you do live coaching, that type of thing, right. that's through your website, which is Imagine, yeah, Imagine so, Insights? Yeah, ImagineInsights.com is my, my corporate work. Corporate so work, okay. Corporate work, to be honest, I, I like doing It's fun to do, Yeah. but it's not like a, a passionate thing for me because usually I get hired to come in for a day or two, do some work, and then I'm gone. Right. It's a fire and forget thing. And I, I like watching people. I like seeing them over time develop the skills and get the, the results that they want. But I, I enjoy it because it's fun, but it's I don't put most of my attention on it because so corporate work I get from referrals usually. It's usually someone's done coaching or a workshop with me and they go back to their business or they tell their friends or something and, and they go, You should really hire this guy to come fix your you know, team's problem yeah. or whatever it is. So corporate work is almost exclusively by referrals. Okay. Uh, sometimes by networking the same way as you know, I meet someone, they have a business and I go end up going to help their business. Uh, as far as uh, workshops and live events and stuff, that's that's more of a typical marketing thing. Okay. So I'll, I'll, you know, we'll use Facebook, we'll use whatever mailing list. I have some of those. I don't do a lot of marketing because my favorite thing to do these days is one-on-one -on -one coaching and I get my clients by meeting interesting people and talking to them. Yeah. But I do a handful of live events every year and I intend to increase that. Okay. And for that, it, it's really just to have the audience that I've built over many years and the audience of my colleagues that I work together with here in Vegas and uh, we'll just get together, we'll set the dates, we'll determine what we want, we'll talk to the people already following us to make sure that what we're offering is something people are interested in, yep. and then we'll just start marketing it. Okay, and those live events, how do you run those live events? Are they, um, you know, one day, two day, a weekend, mm -hmm. a week? I know, I think we mentioned, we talked about this when we, we met up, uh, I believe you said it was like, meeting and then like a follow-up something follow-up so so i usually it depends i have a few different ones the ones okay. that i do with my colleagues here in vegas which is a group type event where yep. there's several coaches is a week long so a we do long. Okay. yeah we do we usually do a week-long one in january we're starting to do one in like august september and eventually we're planning on doing four of those week-long things a year okay. i also do private events those are usually three days 
three to five days. Just curious. Well, it depends. So I do three day intensives for one or two people, okay. and it's like I'll have people come live at my house, and we'll do three days. And it's if you're awake, we're doing things yeah, we're basically, and uh, that's for one or two people. And if it's two, they usually know each other. Uh, and then I do three to five day events, and I do uh, five, six people, six people at most, usually no, no more than five. Okay. And it's so that I can give, you know, we can spend a lot of time on each person and so that we can do more than just sit in the classroom. If you have 20 people and you're going to go somewhere and do something, that's, you know, you're losing two hours just in transport and organization and sure. hurting cats. Right, right. And they, yeah, yeah, but if you, have, if you have three or four or five people, you can fit everyone in the car and you yeah, just go. go somewhere else. Okay. So, so I like that. I get, we get it more, you know, it's more personalized. So my personal live events for groups, three to five people, three to five days, depending on what I'm doing. Okay. Or three-day intensives for one person. Okay, so that's like kind of structure. And then is there support afterwards? Yeah, and more? so all my coaching clients get one month of free, like in coaching included. So okay. for the, the following month after that, we do a weekly session, and they can reach out to me for what I call spot coaching anytime. And spot okay. coaching is basically, I'm freaking out right now, or I have this problem right now. I don't <laughs> know. I need to talk to TJ. Right. They can text me. If I'm free, I will talk, call them immediately. If I'm not, I will make room in the next hour to talk to you for 10 minutes. Okay. And we'll you know, figure out whatever's going on. Kind of go from there. And then your typical coaching clients, how are you structuring their program? How long is the program? You know, kind of what's, what's the goal through going through that? Right. About that. My, my most, I mean, I, I make my packages, I individualize my packages to the person. So, okay. so I don't have, this is all I do and this is well, all you get. Yeah. But the, the standard one, the one that I do the most is uh, four month intensive coaching followed by six month of follow-ups. Okay. And basically what I do, I'll start out with one or two days of uh, three to five hours a day where we just get on Skype or they come to Vegas and hang out with me and we'll go deep into the fundamental principles that I work from. Okay. So that we have that on the, out of the way and so that we can, we can shake things up for them a little bit and pull them out of their reality and their thinking. Right. And so that's a couple of days that, that are really intense, many hours of just talking and doing nothing else. Yep. And then after that, we, uh, we switch to one session a week. And so it's one session a week. Everyone has their time and the same time every week. Uh, we do, I usually do most of my Skyping, coaching via Skype video. Uh, I enjoy seeing people that I work with, and since I work with people all over the world, face-to-face -face is kind of inconvenient. So I end up uh, doing a lot of Skype coaching with them. And so there's the one session a week, and then I also give spot coaching to everyone. So anyone who's a paying client of mine, whenever you need me, you can yep. text me. If I'm awake, um, if I don't have time right now, I will make time in the next hour for a 10-minute call, and we will figure it out. Uh, and they can, so I, I have like different levels of things. It's a spot coaching. If you need something really, right now is really freaking important. Right. Then there's, you know, message me on Facebook if it's something you need an answer to quickly, but it's not a big answer, like just something simple. Yeah. And then email if it's, it can wait. It can wait for 24 hours, and then so you email me. So you set the expectations up front and kind of have them know yeah. what, yeah, they should do. I want to be completely available for all my clients, but I also don't want them to get into the habit that as soon as a question pops into their head, they ask me about it. I want them to think about it first yep. themselves. And so if it's really important, if it's a crisis, then yes, reach out to me immediately. If it's something that can wait, means it's not a crisis, right. and then they kind of have to wait until they're by their email, and by then they usually figure it out themselves. So yeah. I kind of force them to think on the, the issues that they can handle on themselves. Yeah. And a lot of times they'll email me, and if I don't reply within a few hours, I'll get another email saying, never mind, I figured it out, yeah. which is what I want. So I, I'm one of those coaches that want to make myself superfluous. I want to, by the end of our coaching uh, period, sure. I want them to not need me anymore. I want them to know that if they ask me that question, I'm going to answer this 
That's a, that's a really good point because I've always I kind of mentioned that to my clients as well. It's like even before I start working with someone, I tell them the goal of coaching is to get you a point, get you to a point where you don't need coaching. Right. Like that's the whole point. Otherwise, like I tell them, like, you know, we're not going to be working together forever. Like, I I would love to work with you for a while and help you progress, but ultimately mm-hmm. you're going to have to handle it on your own. Right. And I think it's really important. You mentioned that that you need to set the expectations if you are coaching that this is the communication boundaries we have and mm-hmm. let, let's go from there. Because even like from a purely like practical standpoint, I'm not going to text you a huge long response. Right. If I need a longer response, it might be in an email format exactly. as opposed to a text or a, a quick call could just solve something faster. You know? Yeah. I mean, most people don't fall into that trap, but there are some people that once they hire a coach, they, <laughs> they basically hire someone to think for them. Yeah. And, and they lose that ability. Yeah. Like. And that's, that's not the point. I want my clients to be able to think for themselves with the new knowledge and tools that they have. So, yeah. so we set up that and it works very well. Uh, and I have, you know, my, my goal, like you, you know, you've been doing a lot of coaching in the, the sports and fitness. And, fitness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I'm going, you know, work with me for five, five to ten months. After that, you shouldn't need me anymore. doesn't mean you shouldn't get other coaches to help you work on other things. So I'm assuming, you know, someone comes to you because they want to build more muscle. They're done with that. But they're also interested in learning gymnastics. Sure. You're not going to tell them, don't get a gymnastic coach. You're right. gonna, this is a good guy. Go yeah, talk to him. Someone else. Right? Yeah, there you go. So, so that's kind of the thing. I'm, I'm all for coaches. I'm under, like, I always have a coach. Yeah. Uh, I still do. And uh, I'm, you know. I say everyone should always have a coach yeah. on at least one thing in their life, whether it's just a small thing and whether that's not even a professional coach, just someone who knows about it that yeah. you can talk to on a regular basis. You should have that in your life because it helps you grow and evolve throughout yeah. your entire so life. So you have a coach still. So are you talking to them weekly, monthly? Uh, How, my coach. What's right, the dynamic? Yes. Yeah, so the, the coach. Well, I, I, I have a couple of coaches Co- right now. Um, Morning coach. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, but it's to me now at this point, because the, the, the one of them is on business things. So I've cha- yeah. I'm changing some of the things that I'm doing in my work. I'm changing the way that I'm doing it now that I live in the U.S. Yeah. Uh, not the actual coaching of live events, but the way I'm organizing it, the way I'm meeting clients and doing some new things. And so even though I feel like I have a good grasp on it and I know it, I want someone who's done that before me so that whenever I run into something, I can talk to them about it. So my coaches right now are people that I don't have a weekly session and we don't have a, a thing, but they're people I know and I talk to them anyway, uh, not like every day. Yeah. But when I need something, they're in that, in that guidance or mentor relationship with me. So when I go, hey, I ran into something, when can we talk? Then we'll set up a time to talk. Then go from there. So a lot of, and I, I mean, I have clients that do that too. I have clients who pay me a, a you know, nominal fee a month whether they use me or not, right. just so that I'm there when they need me. Yeah. And, and so that's what I'm doing with these coaches. And, and uh, one of them isn't even a professional coach. I just yeah. made him a coach. You right. know yeah. this you stuff. You know some stuff I want to know. Yeah, you know so this stuff, chat. and I'm probably going to need some help with it. So, so I'm going to make you – I'm going to come to you for this. Yeah. In return, what do you want? Right? And okay. we work out a deal. Okay. So, so I, I always encourage people to do that and have that kind of people in your life, whether they're professional coaches that you're hiring because right. they're really good at what they do. Or just someone that you know that you know will be helpful and that you know that you will trust and respect what they yeah. what they talk about. And with the, with the people you actually coach yourself, mm-hmm. do you find that you have similar demographics you're coaching, similar issues, um, similar circumstances they're in? I'm just like, curious on how you... Yeah, so I get mostly men. Mostly uh, guys, okay. And... Uh, in the beginning, I got I know why, and it was because I was marketing all my stuff mostly towards men. Yeah, uh, it was uh, it was in the beginning. It was an insecurity thing for me. I'm like, I don't, I don't, I'm not a woman. I don't know how they think. I don't, I don't know what their world is. Dive in that world. It yeah. took a while for me to realize, you know, psychology is psychology, and though there are definitely differences between the genders, sure. it doesn't mean that I can't. So, 
I have no problem working with women because I started out early working with men. I've gotten a reputation, like men will tell each other about me. And uh, so I get most of my referrals are men talking to men. Okay. Uh, it doesn't mean all my, my clients are men. But other than that, I really don't have a demographic. Like, I get 18-year-old yeah, kids coming to me because they don't know what to do with their life now that high school's over. And wow. I get 55-year-old divorcees coming to me. Or, you know, I, it's a whole range of age, a whole range of, of you know, life situation yeah. and everything. And with that, well, with Just Go Grind itself, it's mm-hmm. obviously we're focused on careers and business. Basically, we're focused on work, essentially. Mm-hmm. So work, the work part of your life, whether that is a career path, whether that is starting your own business, which is a different career path, right. that's our focus. What types of things do you typically run into in terms of careers or career path specifically? And like how do you kind of manage that or help people find their own way? What I usually get is people who want to make a bigger impact. So, okay. so they're either looking to really advance in the field that they're in, okay. but they've gotten stuck for whatever reason, or there are people who want to launch their own thing or have launched their own thing, but it's not quite working and they can't figure out why because like all the technical stuff they're doing is right, but there's something else that's that's tripping them up. I'm not the guy who comes in and teach you about marketing or your, your, I don't teach you how to do your job. I assume that you know how to do your job. And yeah. if you don't, I say, go get a business coach Figure it out. and I'll come work on you and the other stuff. Yeah. But usually I get the people who are, you know, they launched a business and they're not getting results. And I start asking questions and I realize that the reason they're not getting results is because they're not doing the things they know they should be doing because they have excuses for why not and so on and so forth. And people who are already, you know, in a career that they enjoy and they want to make a bigger impact, it's usually the same thing, except it looks like they're, you know, they're there, but they're hesitant to go into negotiations or they're hesitant to promote themselves. So they're trying to downplay and be humble when they really should be showing off their skills. And so, so again, it's to back to what I was saying earlier, just I help people get out of their own way so that they can get to where they want and and business, those two are the typical clients. I right, so depending on whatever that may be, basically it could be a wide variety of things essentially, but it's the same same principle that you're, same guiding principle. Yeah, like one of my, my clients that I'm coaching right now is uh, in the middle of launching a like, multi-million dollar app. And they okay. have investors, you know, they haven't given them any money, money yet because they are in the launch phase, but they have investors committed to giving them millions of dollars to do this thing. And uh, it's... He's he's really good at pro, like programming the app is great and they yeah. him and his partner his partner know exactly what it should be but they keep running into problems that they can't figure out where they're coming from and the problem is really coming from them being scared because they've never accepted millions of dollars from investors before they've never done it's any of these things thing. right so it's freaking <laughs> them out a little bit and so he keeps you know doubting the app and I have to running back through, all right, well, tell me about it. And then he starts talking about it and he gets all excited about it again. I'm like, yeah, you're not doubting the app. You're, you're doubting yourself. Right. And so that's the kind of thing I run into a lot. Entrepreneurs who are like, I want to do this, but no one's going to listen to me if I do this or no one's going to buy my product. And I go, have you done the product? Have you done you know, market testing? Yeah. How'd they like it? They loved it. Cool. Then why would not? You know? So it's, it's just people getting caught up in their own head. And it becomes one of those things that a lot of time when I point it out, they laugh at themselves because they yeah. realize how ridiculous it is. Right. But we all do it. Of course. So, yeah. You just, you just got to get uh, to the point where as a coach, when you can see the misunderstanding that people are living under, then that's usually, when you remove that, sure. they're usually fine. And in business, the misunderstanding is usually all the data, all my experience, all everyone's telling me, telling me is saying it's going to work, but it's probably not going to work because it's me doing it. And yeah. they think there's a difference between them doing it and someone else doing it. 
the product is good, it doesn't matter who's doing it as right. a product. It's one of those things where like their situation has probably happened somewhere else right. with, uh, with multiple people. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of they're dealing with it now. So they need to look and find well, what, what's the example of people who have done that. Exactly. And then just follow that example. Yeah. Easier said than done, of course, because when you're in it, you, you think like you're the only one who's gone through oh, this. Yeah, but like, absolutely. how many people have gotten money to invest in the company? <laughs> like, a lot of people have. Maybe we haven't. Like, it's, like a lot of people have done mm-hmm. that. So it's like finding that example is important. Yeah. And also, you know, when you're like, I've been doing this, like I said, for about a decade. Yeah. So I've it's met a lot of these people. So a lot of times people come with me to me with a problem and they're like, I, this is probably going to sound weird to you. And they tell me the problem. Like, I can name about 10 other people <laughs> who are going through this thing right now. Uh, yeah. So it's. Like you're saying, when you're in the middle of it, you get caught up in it yourself, and you think you're the only one having this issue. But yeah. there's you know, thousands of other people going through this. Lots of other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. For you personally, what are the biggest challenges as a coach like that you face, like working with people on a day-to-day basis? What are the challenges you're facing? I think the challenges for me, uh, at least right now, so, so it's because I've gone through this change of moving to the U.S. So yeah. back home in Norway, obviously, Norway, yeah. yeah, like I've been talking about, I, I'm fairly well known. I'm not famous by any stretch of the sure. imagination, but usually if I go out to the bar, there's going to be someone approaching me right. that know me from what I've done. Sure. But, and then I come to the U.S. where hardly anyone knows me. So the, the change that I'm doing in Norway it's not just that people know me and that therefore I have a big audience, but it's also they already know what I do. So anyone who comes to me have already usually looked at enough of my stuff that they know what to expect. Yeah. Here in the U.S., since no one knows me, the people who come to me or when I'm having conversations and they get curious, I kind of have to take a lot of time to fill them in on what my base philosophy is and all these things so that they get to know me so that they can take you know, their actions based on you know, reliable intel, if you will. Sure. So my biggest challenge right now is I'm in the situation where I have to introduce myself. I have to present myself. I talk about how I do what I do to new people, and I've never had to do that before. So, yeah. so that's the skill. One of the skills I'm working with one of my co- coaches now is I'm I'm not used to doing it. <laughs> it's been a while. So yeah, so it's <laughs> it's interesting and and uh, but I mean it's it's fun too because I get to do this new thing. Yeah, it's exciting. But it's uh, yeah, it's definitely something that I catch myself every now and then just going into my coaching and realizing that this guy has no idea what I'm talking about because he doesn't know the fundamentals of, yeah. of this. So of what you even do or what you're about. Yeah. Basically. So that's my biggest challenge. Right? I, I'm saying calling it a challenge, but it's really just something that I have to remember doing and right. practice doing even more. Right. So what, what's, the, what's been the most helpful thing with that in terms of overcoming that? Uh, so it's funny. In Norway, we have, uh, we have an unwritten law, if you will. Uh, it's definitely not a law, but it's you're not allowed to brag in Norway. You're not allowed to say even that you're good at something that you're really, really good at. Okay. If you kind of go, oh, yeah, I'm really good at this, people are going to look at you like you're the most conceited <laughs> bastard ever. Yeah. And it's, it's a ridiculous culture, and it's like it's a Scandinavian culture. Yeah. And it has a, a name called the Janteloven. And it's, it's this thing. Here in the U.S., that's definitely not a thing. Oh, like, no. In the U.S., if you do something, you better like, brag about it. About yeah, it kind, yeah, of, kind I mean, of. Yeah, yeah. You don't, you don't have to be a dick about it, right, but right. you should definitely be confident enough to say, oh, I'm the best at this, or I can right. definitely fix it. I know it. about but, this for sure. Yeah, yeah I'm I, good. I can do this for you. Yeah. Like, and so, so to me, that getting over that hump, I mean, I've not been the humble, modest guy in Norway because if I was, I wouldn't be saying yes to going on TV. You know? like I'm, I break that thing, but not as much as my American colleagues do. Yeah. So I get here, and every now and then I'll listen to them on like a webcast or whatever, yeah. or and I'll hear them say something. I go, oh god, you can't really, you can't say that. Oh wait, you can because that's what, what we do here. Like, We're in America. So yeah, Ooh. so that's what that's like <laughs> getting that shift in my brain of going. Oh, I don't have to carefully word myself when I need to tell someone what I'm good at. I can just say it flat out. This is what I do, and this is what I'm really good at. Yeah. 
that was one of the most helpful things that I started doing after yeah, coming here. Yeah, to kind of over, overcome that and then get, yeah. it, make, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Where are you going to to learn, to grow personally, to like help your coaching clients, to, to, you know, to learn more about their situations? Obviously, working with clients, you hear different things that can right. help other clients. Absolutely. So in that way, there's that. But you know, are there any books, any uh, courses, any resources that you'd mention or you would recommend? So I, I'm, a, I'm a big nerd, but I don't read much like self-development stuff anymore. Okay. Uh, anymore. Anymore. So I, I used, used to. to. When, I, when I started out, I was reading everything. And yeah. then after a while, it all started sounding the same. Yes. And uh, I just kind of went, you know, that, that probably means that I get the fundamentals of it. And Correct. so whatever, you know, application these guys are trying to teach me is, you know, I, I get it. And so I stopped reading self-development, but I kept reading psychology. Like I read a lot of research. Psychology. Okay. And so I'm really interested in, in what the, the science tells us. And Research from where? I'm just like, where are you going? Like, uh, Psychology Journal, for example, okay. is one of my favorites. It's a website. It does, it does, uh, it shares psychological research, but it does it in like simple form. It's not okay. necessarily you have to know, you know, have a degree in psychology to understand it. It's just an article, but they, they're good at referencing the stuff. So whenever I come across something that's really interesting, I'll track down the actual research paper and I'll yeah. read it because I'm a huge nerd. Uh, and so, <laughs> helpful. Yeah, it is. And so I do that. And also like my books, I always put my sources in there and I reference it just like a freaking master's thesis. Like yeah. I, so, so I do a lot of that. I look at a lot of research. Now, I don't think research is infallible in any way. And a lot of times I see research that the, the experiment in itself is based on some sort of misunderstanding. They don't get it. And so the results are not applicable, but it's still interesting to learn by human nature that way. Oh, yeah. So I do a lot of that, but mostly I think my over the last few years, my development as a coach has been surrounding myself with coaches. So I've had my own coaches, and so I make sure I get coaches that have the basic you know understanding of life that I do, but that have different styles of coaching or thinking than me because it's inspirational, and it, it helps yeah. me expand my horizons. And every now and then they do something, that I go, oh, wow, that was awesome. <laughs> now I'm going to turn around and do that to my client. Yeah. So so having the a community around me, and that's – and when people ask me about my favorite self-development you know, tip, and, uh, and I have two. One is travel, and the other one is surround yourself with people who have interests and knowledge and skills in what you want to learn. Have that community around you. Yeah. So a lot of the people that I spend time with are either coaches or they're entrepreneurs in markets that have to do with you know, the marketing or, or other things that are interesting and, and valuable to me. Yeah. Uh, and so... I always, you know, for anyone who wants to be coaches, I always recommend, you know, make sure you always have your own coach. I don't care if it's going to cost you money. If you want to be a professional coach and you don't want to have your own professional coach, that's like a doctor who refuses to go see a doctor when he's sick. Yeah. Uh, you're not going to – if I show up at my doctor's and he goes, oh, yeah, I use alternative med- Eastern medicine, but here, I'm going to give you this Western pill. I'm like, wait, why it should I trust it anything you use? Correct. Yeah. So, so coaches should always have their own coach and, and preferably like a, a small community, even if it doesn't have to be a big one, someone that they interact with on a regular basis. Yeah. So I'm members of like all the Facebook groups of all my colleagues or friends who are coaches. I'm members of other groups. Yeah. I watch their webinars when I have the time. I, like I take part in these things, even though a lot of what they share are things that I teach too. Yeah. But it helps me see what other people do. And that way I can, I can copy and steal what I need to copy and steal. And I get right. inspired and I sometimes have insights into my own philosophies because of something that I experienced you know, doing this. Yeah. So, what about travel, yeah. though? You mentioned travel as well. Oh, I love traveling. I, I think traveling is one of the most important things you can do for yourself. Okay. Uh, it is... It is the best way I've found to kind of expand your horizon. Uh, there are studies that show that that uh, traveling is one of the best ways to develop and increase your empathy. And if you're a coach without empathy, you're going to run into some trouble. 
Yeah. So so I've traveled a lot. I, I love backpacking. So I will just put a backpack on my, my back and go to a you know, I'll, I'll fly into one place and I have no idea where I'm going and just improvise. Wow. And I love that stuff. Uh, honestly, it's been a couple of years since I did last, but I, I've done 40 countries doing that. And uh, I, I've worked hard my entire adult life to be able to do that. So yeah. I've organized my life so that I can. Right. And uh, it's it's one of those things. You meet so many people. And if you listen and if, and if you travel and instead of trying to tell people where you get to what you know and what you do and how your culture is, you right. listen to them and you just kind of shut up and take it in. That's the best way to learn about people, about psychology, about humanity and about society and all these things because you can't help it. But if you go somewhere and you live at a you know five-star all-inclusive hotel with a bunch of people from your and your neighboring country, it's not going to help. So travel to places that are different than yours and hang out with the locals, hang out with the people who, who live there. Or at the very least, hang out with the backpackers, the travelers who are there to see the culture. Yeah. Because they will they will be, you know, not as good as the locals, but they'll be the, the next closest. I think you made a really good point too when you mentioned like you have to organize your you've organized your life so you can travel mm-hmm. and do all that thing. And especially when we're thinking about career paths and we're thinking about what we wanna do, it's like Okay, if you want to be CEO of whatever company, well, depending on the company, one, mm-hmm. the path there is going to take years and years and years. Right. And two, do you even have flexibility to travel? You know, right. I mean, so thinking in the first place before you even get started, thinking ahead of time about what you want life-wise, career-wise, mm-hmm. whatever, that's important. And the thing is, it's also going to change. Yeah, I'm sure absolutely. as you've probably experienced over your years, mm-hmm. like it changes. Oh, you meet a girl and you move to Las Vegas. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, it changes. Yeah, so I mean, <laughs> I, I used to organize my life uh, and, and my work life a lot so that I could take months off and travel. So yeah. in, in the beginning, my main source of income was workshops. I'd do, you know, the three-day, five-day events. And that way I could do a bunch of those in like six months and then save up as much money as I could and then basically take time off for six months. And the only you know thing I needed to do was keep up my websites and do the occasional call with a client online. And yeah. I could do that anywhere with Wi-Fi. So, so that's what I did for many years. And then you know I got a little bit older and I wanted, firstly, I wanted more predictability in my work. And I also wanted to kind of settle down. Like you said, I met a girl and moved to Vegas. Yeah. She has a full-time job. She travels a lot with work. But she doesn't have as much free time as I do. We yeah. still travel, though, because we go along, uh, away on long weekends. If we have an extra day, we usually yeah. go somewhere. We do go on vacations. She, you know, she uses every vacation day she has so that we can travel and do things. Yeah. So my way of traveling has changed a lot, but I, it's still one of my, my favorite things to do. Right. And, and so I've organized my life differently now. Now I have clients who are expecting to hear from me you know, every week, and I have yeah. a bunch of them, so I have to work almost every day. I didn't used to do that. I, yeah. My work used to be just being online and doing marketing and stuff for a few weeks and then work really hard for three to five days and then have you know five weeks off and yeah. just write every now and then, uh, which was really nice. Yeah. But it's not feasible for the life that I want now, so it's changed, and by that extension, you know, my travel and everything else changes. So what is what is the ultimate goal for you in terms of your coaching business, in terms of your career stuff? What is the goal you're kind of reaching toward? Working so I, I'm very much, I'm where I want to be, I just want more of it. Okay. And so I'm doing live events, but I want to do more live events. What's your idea? Um, How many do you want to do? I want to do four big live events a week, uh, a year, a sorry. Year. Okay. Uh, so I want to do the one that I do with my colleagues. We do one in January here in Vegas, and it's an amazing event. And we have 10, 15, 20 coaches coming. And we oh, have wow. like, a, one year I think we had 50 students. And Ooh. But it's still a week, it's not like a, 
it's not an auditorium. It's not like well, a, right. I've been we, in big conferences. Yeah. I, I know what you're saying. Yeah, we're not doing that. We're renting a house, and we're we're renting a house with a big common space, and everyone's hanging out there. And we take yeah. plenty of breaks, and we go out together and have a few beers at night. And everyone hangs out. So the right. coaches hang out, the students hang out. It's an amazing event, and people keep coming back year after year because they yeah. just love it. So I want to do more of those a year, so we can reach more people, and so we can have people, you know, come to Vegas during the summer and have the pool parties, and not just um, um you know January thing. Yeah. So I want to do those, and I want to do more in, um, one-on-one intensive weekends. Okay. Those are the the personal you know events, if you want, that I, that I, I want to do. So I want to have more people come in and stay with me for a weekend or several days and work hard with them and then follow up with coaching after that. Okay. It's it's a great way for me to work because I really get to know someone, and I really get to work, go deep with them in a, a short amount of time. Yeah. And then I'd like to do more, uh, I mean, I do public speaking events, which is like an yep. hour one-off. It's a conference right. or someone, they hire sure. me, I come in, I speak for an hour. I like doing those because they're fun. Yeah. Uh, to be perfectly honest, I structure my seminars. I write the jokes first, yeah. and then I put the content in between <laughs> the jokes. I, I love being on I love that. And, but that one's just for fun. You perform I, a little bit, and then also help people. Yeah, so, yeah, so yeah. that one's for fun. So I want to just, like, I'm already doing these things, but I want to do more of them yeah. more often, which means, you know, less time off for me, but I get to meet more people. I get to connect, and I yeah. get to help a lot more people. Yeah. And I want to keep doing the one-on-ones that I'm doing now and just make sure that I'm always working with a roster of clients that I enjoy. Right. As, as a self-employed guy, I can only imagine that you would probably go crazy for not doing anything. Yeah. Uh, I've, I mean, I've been doing this now for 10 years. And, and every like every time I go travel, when I take yeah. six months off, like that's when I write my books. That's when I do this Yeah, stuff you're not because, off, off. Yeah. You're off, but you're free. Your mind is free that you can do other things. Yeah. Like work, like write so I, I can work completely on my own schedule. I But I always have at least one project with me because I'm the kind of guy that as much as I do enjoy a lazy day by the pool, yeah. I can't do that constantly. I yeah. need to feel productive. And so... Yeah, and to that point, as an entrepreneur, as someone who's had their own business for almost a decade, mm. like how do you manage your schedule? How do you manage ups and downs of maybe having clients on? Like, mm. how do you manage it on a day-to-day basis? So I, I like, uh, let me put the phrase that differently. I hate routine. Hate I'm routine. not, I'm not very good with having the same day, yeah. day after day. Okay. So my schedule is really simple. Like I schedule my client calls. I know what day of the week and what okay. time I have the different clients. And I just keep that in my Google Calendar. Yeah. And um, I mean, I, I have few enough clients that have time for everyone's. So I can usually remember when I have the next coaching session. Perfect. And then other than that, I improvise my days a lot. So some days I will start working. I will do my client calls the first thing in the morning. And then I'll spend another six hours working on whatever project I'm working on. Other other times I'll do my client calls and then go to the gym and then go out for lunch with someone and then come back and do some work. Uh, some days I'll just do the client calls and then not do anything. Today <laughs> I did one client call. I've, I've had one hour of coaching and now I'm here doing this podcast. Right. And when I get home, I'm going to clean the bathroom because it's filthy. <laughs> and that's my day. So uh, it's like two hours <laughs> of work. So it, it depends. I, I like that kind of thing. Uh, a lot of my friends who you know have routines need those routines to feel mm-hmm. comfortable. They don't know. They they don't understand how I do it because to them they feel like they would just you know lose track of things. But having done it a long time, you, you get good at keeping track of what you yeah. want to do. I have a to do list. I'll give you a really quick uh, helpful tool. Oh, yeah. uh, I have a to do list, and it's three categories of to do. Okay. So it's one, two, and three. And one is the things that has to be done right now. They cannot wait. This is number one priority. Yep. If it's not off the list by the end of the day, you failed. Right. Uh, and Bad so, day. Bad yes. day. <laughs> Except for the things that are always on number one, uh, which because it's something that I have to do every single day. I only have one point that's always on number one. Everything else needs to be off the list every time, every day by the end of my workday or I'm, my workday is not done. I have to keep working. 
Number two is the first thing I do when number one is done. It's important enough that it needs to be done within a short period of time, sure. but it, it will not take priority over the crisis right. things. And then number three is, it'll be nice if I do it. I want to do these things, but they'll wait. And I've had things, I have things on my number three right now that I've been on there for three months. Yeah. I'm not going to get to it anytime soon, and that's fine, but it's there because I know I want to do it. I don't think it's important enough to actually do it unless I feel inspired to do it right now. Sure. Like, oh, I can knock that off because my number one and number it's two is empty. Yeah. So this is, and this is something that I've, I've shared with a lot. There's a, an oil company in Norway that, uh, <coughs> excuse me. I, uh, I, I dated this girl and I showed this to her and she showed it to her boss. And now there's like a 3000 people in that company that uses this organizational chart. Yeah. And if they hand a task to anyone, it needs to be labeled one, two or three, or it's sent right back. Oh, wow. I didn't get paid for that. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I'm share that too. I share that with my girlfriend. She shared it with a boss. I'm like, hey, wait. Wait a minute. I, feel I like came up with that. <laughs> is that a uh, is that a paper document? Is that a online? Thing? I have it on my. I used to have it on my wall. I had like a, just the categories, and I used post-its, uh, oh, and okay. I just did that. Now I have it on my computer because I move around too much. Yeah. And so it's on my laptop. I just have a Word document. It's three columns, one, two, okay. three at the top, and I just. It's funny because I was just I was just talking about that in a different podcast I recorded today, mm -hmm. and uh, we were go we were talking about how we we can. We have to go paper now. I don't right. know what it is. I have gone back and forth between online, digital, and then paper, and I still have a to-do list in my phone. Mm. Any dot do, I think it is, but I I still go back to yeah. this notepad. I don't know what it is, man. I just there's something tacked up. So I loved the the post-its because there's something very yeah, satisfying about pulling the post-it yeah. off, uh -huh. crumbling it up, and throwing it out when you're done. Yes. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, yes, but uh, it's satisfying. That's yeah, but I switched sure. to the computer, and I I, yes, I have two screens in my home office, and okay. so I put the the to-do list on the bigger screen because I, I only use the bigger screen for work and uh -huh. when I'm not working, Netflix. And oh. so whenever I minimize whatever I'm actually doing work on the big screen, I minimize it, boom, there's the to-do list right in my face. So you know right away. Um, yeah, so I, I have to look at it every time I finish a task, it's right there. Right, I may have to consider this digital route. <laughs> that, I, I like the method. It's, Anything that is a system that just helps you stay organized and prioritize your day because yeah. at the end of the day, like, your day, uh, there's a quote from, I think it's, her name is Annie Dillard. It's like how we spend our days is how we spend our lives. Yeah. So if you optimize the day, ultimately you'll take care of everything else. And like mm. that's what matters in life because that just makes for you know, everything is it stems from your day today. Mm. And tomorrow will be that day. It's the same yeah. thing. So anything that can help kind of prioritize or like optimize, yeah, absolutely. I'm like obsessed with. Pretty much. Yeah, I, I completely agree. My, my uh, I can't remember who it's from, but someone said that the best predictor of your future is your past. And a lot of people think that's like, oh, he's talking about my childhood and stuff. And it's like, no, he's talking about yesterday and the day before. He's talking about the recent past, the, the right. thing leading up to what, you know, if you're overweight, it's because right. over the last few years, you've been eating more calories right. than you've been you're burning. Sure. So if you want to predict the future and you want to be slimmer, then you need to change today so that tomorrow your past is telling you that you're going to lose weight. Because, right. And so, so that's why... I mean, I, I, when I started out, to be honest, I was completely disorganized. Like, yeah. I would forget about coaching calls. I would do all that, like, oh, years yeah. ago. Oh, so what I had to do was make myself a work day. So I made, like, a six-hour day, starting at this time, finishing at this time. And then I made a list of what tasks I needed to do, also prioritized. So I started yeah. with, these are the most important work tasks. What do I do if I run out of work tasks? Well, then I can work out. I can clean my apartment. I can do these. So I made sure that for six hours every day, I was very focused, and I was doing something that was productive for my life. And then once that became a habit, I got rid of the six-hour day, and I, I switched to that uh, thing that I was just talking about. I'm glad you mentioned six hours, by the way, mm -hmm. because I think the eight-hour workday is flawed. And also, not that not that you have to work 10, 12, 16 mm -hmm. hours, but the matter of 
what are you trying to get done each day that moves your business forward, basically, yeah. and then going from there? Yeah, yeah so I, I have the same philosophy. To me, it's I don't care how many hours a day you're working. What I care about is what are you doing? Are you are you accomplishing the things that you need to accomplish every day? Right. And on the other end of the spectrum, are you accomplishing too much? Like, are you wearing yourself out doing right. these things? Because in that case, we need to look at the eighty twenty rule or something mm-hmm. to get rid of some of the stuff that, that you're doing that's just exhausting you. Yeah, and I remember one, one of the times my uh, my best friend mentioned, he's like, you know, certain things you could do on, like, less sleep, let's just say. Yes, you could theoretically possibly get more done that day. Now, it depends on, obviously, how, you know, mentally mm-hmm. good you are. Sure. But at the same time, he said would you be happy doing it? I was like, oh, man. When you think of it that way, it's like, wow. Like, if I'm actually trying to optimize each day and make each day good and also get stuff done, not having to just get things done at the expense of happiness, Mm. it's like that kind of changes your whole perspective of things. Yeah, it's one of the things, uh, you know, you asked earlier about the the, people coming to me for professional help. One of the things that I see a lot is that a a lot of people think they have to do all the things, you know. Someone wants to launch a coaching business, for example, and they heard, all right, well, to be a coach, you should do marketing, uh, you should do ads, you should do content marketing, you should do webinars, and you should do your mailing list every three days, and you should set up product launches every three months, and the product launch should give you leads, and blah. And, and they lot. think they have to do all of the things. And you have to do speaking events, and you have to, like, there's this whole list. That you can find. Do, right. right. And and you can do all these things in theory, but if you try to do all of those at once, you're gonna crash and burn, you're probably not gonna have time for clients. Yeah. So I got to the, to the place where I realized that for a long time I was doing too much of that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I decided what happens if I just open more room for clients so that my work schedule every week isn't filled with five hours a day work that's not client-based. If I, have, if I set aside four hours that are meant to be speaking to clients every day and I don't have clients for those four hours, then I'm going to go out and find someone to talk to. I don't care if they're paying me or not. Right. So I'm sitting there at my computer and I'm going, this is a client hour, but I don't have a client. Wait, who do I know who might need something? I'll reach out to previous clients or I'll reach out to friends or acquaintances. And I'll just go, hey, how's this thing going? Yeah. And then they might need some help. I'm like, cool. Well, I got 45 minutes right now. You want to hop on a call and we'll do that. And most of them don't end up paying me money, but every now and then I'll sign some one of them. If I sign one of them for a $5,000 coaching package, and it was happening because I wasn't busying myself with busy work, but because I was yeah. sitting there not having someone to talk to when I was supposed to talk to someone, that's worth it. And that's interesting because that strategy, thinking of it that way, like, okay, you eventually get one of them, right? Mm-hmm. And then that person, you know, who knows how long they'll stay on with you or how much you know, revenue theoretically you make from them. But then that means you have that person, you can get another person while you're still coaching the first person. Exactly. And then you get referrals from those people and they grow that yeah. way. So I think having the idea, the mindset that, yeah, just get just get one at a time. Like mm-hmm. you have availability, get one, which will lead to another. Right. Which will lead to you know, obviously get the results, and that's the most important thing, and that yeah. leads to more and more people. Yeah. As far as as far as coaching goes, uh, the, it's always. Uh, I mean, I mentioned a couple of things that I advise people, but my number one advice to anyone who comes to going, you know, I'd like to be a coach, or I want to have more clients, or whatever, I'm already a coach, is just get really good at what you do. Yeah. If you're really good at what you do, clients are going to show up. You might be broke for a little bit. You might even have to take a part-time job to make ends meet. But once you've talked to enough people who get to see how good you are, clients will find you. And when you get good at bringing these conversations up with people that you just talk to in life in general, you're going to start creating more clients from that. So it's uh, it's you also actually I forgot you asked about books and stuff. One of the books that I recommend for for coaches is the Prosperous Coach. Yeah. So the Prosperous Coach talks about how to create coaches, uh, sorry, clients out of conversations, and it's it's a really good book for that. But a lot of people end up um, 
you know, focusing too much on the technical stuff and not on the skill. Yeah. And I've seen so many coaches come into the market and then be gone six months later because they weren't getting it. They got, a, yeah, they got a handful of clients. Those clients went out, didn't get any results, started talking about it, and no one wanted to sign up for them. And even, you know, we live in, I live in Vegas. There's you know, a lot of people here. They don't all know each other. But it doesn't matter. If I get enough you know, bad results with clients, I'm still going to lose out on other people because yeah. there's no word of mouth. And a lot of my clients are referrals. And something I've always thought about, too, with coaching, it's like, you don't need that many clients. No. And, and like, if you think of, depending on what you charge, obviously per month and everything like that, like you could, it could be 10, 20, 30, 40 people. Mm. You're good. Make yeah. it full-time living. I mean, if you really ambitious and want to make like, let's say six figures, something big and like mm. higher ticket items, like still not that many clients realistically. So yeah. you're thinking about, okay, you're finding 30 people for, for coaching clients. Mm. Like that's not that many people. You know, people are in Vegas. Yeah. A lot. You know, people <laughs> visit Vegas a lot that you can meet and then coach remotely. Like uh -huh. there's a lot of different opportunities for anyone in Absolutely. coaching. If you think of it like that way. And so you don't need that many. So you have to just so the one at a time, to two, like you mentioned, that yeah. type of thinking, it seems like it's the best. Yeah. So I have a friend of mine who's a, who's a coach. His name is Ankush Jane. And he says, you know, it's always better to have a client than to make money. And by that, he means, you know, don't focus so much on getting all the money at once. Don't focus so much on getting to six figure income until you have the skill. And when you're working towards this, as you say, you don't need a lot of clients but you should do a lot of sessions you sure. should be All talking right. to a lot of people if you sign them or not doesn't matter in fact if you're not a very good coach yet it's better not to sign them and just have a lot of free coaching conversations until you get the skills better. that are getting and then people start giving you money because the people who get the free coaching session aren't going to leave and badmouth you because it was free right but the people you're charging if you start charging high ticket prices yeah. they're gonna you know that's your problem and then also you're not going to feel good about yourself. You charge someone, you know, ten thousand dollars for coaching, Deliver. and they're not happy when they're done. You're going to hesitate the next time you try to sell a ten thousand yeah. dollar coaching package. So, so I completely agree. You don't need a lot of clients, but you do need a lot of experience to get to the place where clients are going to come find you. Right. Uh, once you get that experience under your belt, uh, it's it's a lot of people do a lot of weird things in coaching. They yeah. they sell. $50 coaching sessions, one session at a time, and they make $150 off of each of their clients. Right. And yeah, it's not, it's not a good way to go. Yeah, it makes sense. So in terms of a career, what would you think makes up a good career? So something I want to ask uh, almost every guest here, because everyone has a different opinion, everyone comes from a different area, but what do you think makes a great career? To me, a great career is when you're doing something that you want to do. And you're doing it in the way that you want to do it. I, I know a lot of people, and I work with a lot of people who have, you know, on the surface, a great career. They're making a lot of money. They have the high status or whatever it is. And, and on the surface, it looks great. But they're trapped in their own success. So they're caught in this, this career that they are hesitant to leave because if they leave, what are people going to say? If I leave this cushy, you know, high-paying job to go right. to do something I really like, then I'm going to lose all that status. People are going to think I'm ridiculous. I'm going to wait. You know, I've wasted 10, 15, 20 years to get here. Yeah. What's going to... And to me, to me, I've reframed it because if they tell me that, I'm like, you're not in a great career. You're in a great trap. Right. You're in a great prison. If you can't leave, yeah, that's you, a prison. Yeah, yeah, if you can't leave it because you're not enjoying it, then that's a prison. That's a cell. So to me, a great career is something that you're, you're doing because you want to do it and you're doing it at least mostly on your own terms. Okay. I get, you know, if you're working for someone else, if you're working for corporations, there are things that you're going to have to do. Right. But you should want to do at least 90% of them. Then yeah. you have a great career. Yeah. Anything else is, is a job. And there's nothing wrong with a job. 
but it shouldn't be your end-all goal to have a job. It should right. be your goal to do what you want. I, I have a friend, uh, Johnny Soporno, who I mentioned, who uh, says that every now and then you have to get a good job. And by good, I mean get out of debt. <laughs> and uh, so it's like, all right, cool. So yes, I get that. If you want a job, if you want to do something, get money or get resources, get whatever, so that you can start building the life that you want, yeah. great. Get that job, have that job, but don't make it your career. Right. If you want a career, make sure that you're doing something on your own terms that you're really enjoying so that you want to keep doing it for years and years. Yeah, and that seems to be a matter of you have to understand yourself and understand what you actually want. <laughs> like yeah. Yeah, all this thing we're talking about, like, you know, and no one has it completely figured out. We have yeah. we, we have an idea and a lot of people have made more progress and they have more clear of a direction they're trying to go to, but mm -hmm. you have to understand yourself first and then you can kind of direct yourself into where you're gonna to get to and then you might have to get the good job as you mentioned yeah, exactly. there. But that, that makes sense there. Yeah. What um any other any ask of the audience, anything you, any parting words you'd like to leave, any resources, anything else? Well, you know what it's it's funny because one of the things that I keep badgering my clients about is to remember that whatever it is that you're exploring, whatever it is you're trying to build or achieve in your life, it's not a matter of getting the tool or getting the, even the knowledge once and then going and using it. It's a matter of keep, you got to keep looking in the direction that you want to go. Yeah. So whatever it is that you're trying to improve or understand better, keep looking in that direction. Even when you think that you get it, keep looking in that direction until you get to the point where you can predict what anyone is going to say about it, basically. Until you get to the point that when you hear about it and someone speak about it, you already know it, even though they haven't finished speaking about it. Not because you're assuming, but because you know it well enough that you can explain it simply. Yeah. I think it was uh, Einstein who said that. If you can't explain something simply, you don't know it well enough. And so get to that point. So a lot of people that I, I meet uh, that have goals and want to build their career or whatever it is, they, they do like batches of knowledge. They go out and they go, okay, I got to learn how to do marketing. And so they sit down and they spend a week studying marketing or they hire someone to come in and teach them. And then they're like, okay, cool, I'm good on that now. And then two weeks later, marketing changes and yeah. they don't change with it because they're not staying on top of it. So I guess my, my, what I'm getting at, my parting words uh, is, remember to keep looking in the direction that you want to go. Don't just get the car pointed in that direction and start driving. You right. gotta watch the road. You gotta keep learning about where you're going. Road you gotta changes. keep, yeah. And, and have a coach. I mean, like I said, it doesn't have to be someone you're paying, but at least someone who can give you guidance when you need it. It is a life-changing thing, and it's something that anyone, and every single you know, skilled high-level coach I know, every single high-level CEO or entrepreneur that really get results, yep. all of them have a coach or a mentor or guidance or whatever they call it. Something like that. Mm -hmm. Where can people either contact you, reach out to you, uh, say hello? So imagineinsight.com is a good page to go to for corporate work and for some tastes of what I do. I've shared some, some uh, ideas and thoughts on there. Uh, for private clients who want to talk about what I do and learn more about it and maybe have a conversation, like I said, I give free conversations because I refuse to take money from someone I don't know that I want to work with yet. Um, the Successfulness Institute on Facebook, facebook.com slash successfulnessinstitute okay. is a good place to go. I run that. It's for me and, and Johnny Sporn, who I mentioned a couple of times, and a few other people. Uh, and it's a good way. Go on there. Just send a message. It will come straight to my inbox, and okay. I will reply to anyone uh, who reaches out. Awesome. Well, guys, go check out those uh, resources that TJ mentioned. Thank you, TJ, for coming on the show. And remember, the show, no show notes are at justgogrind.com slash podcast. All the resources and everything will be there, as well as some different notes and scripts from this interview. Have a great day, guys. We'll talk to you later. 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode with TJ Gutormson. He is a great guy, and I appreciated the time we had together to chat. As always, the show notes are over at justgogrind.com slash podcast. You can support the show at patreon.com slash justgogrind. And please leave a rating review in iTunes if you have a second. I would really appreciate that. And lastly, just share the show. Let people know about it if you think they would find it valuable. If they're interested in you know, changing careers, finding a dream job, want to start a business, all of those things, tell someone about the show. Thank you. Thank you. I will talk to you next week. Bye.